This is Classic Business with Michael Avery on Classic 1027 in Gauteng and Fine Music Radio in Cape Town. It's time for your view from the C-suite in partnership with Eltron here on Classic Business, bringing you closer to the business leaders around the boardroom table. And uh, it's an interview where the rules are made up and market caps don't matter. My next guest is one of the founding members of King Price Insurance. It was launched back in 2012 with this idea and concept that there had to be a better way of doing insurance. Uh, It's not something that people inherently jump out of bed and want to go and purchase. And so the only insurer in the country that offers premiums that decrease Increase monthly as car values drop was born. Uh, you fast forward to seven years and the company has grown uh, phenomenally. The latest numbers that I've seen, and they're probably out of date, show a three and a half billion rand company with 94% year on year growth uh, for the 2018 financial year. It sold more than 400,000 policies and expects to deliver on projected year on year growth of 50% for the next seven years. King Price CEO Gideon Galloway is a phenomenal success story. And Gideon, you're only getting started. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Michael, and thank you to your audience. It's a privilege to be on air. Now, I met your so-called Darth Vader of data at an IT web conference this year, Dr. Eugene yeah. Vessels, and he absolutely lit up, which is a typically conservative IT conference. He used midgets and showmanship, but also incredible substance in terms of how you're using artificial intelligence and the latest analytics, you found such a unique blend of business and fun at King Price. What was your life before King Price? What did you study at school? Oh, well, I studied computer science, so that's where a passion for technology comes from. And um, I think somewhere between studying and socially too much, I changed course and I had art as a subject. And um, that's where my world of advertising started. So, so I passionately got involved in adverts and all of those things. Later in my life, I had an advertising agency. But uh, insurance is, is just such an intriguing business. All the gears are fit together, and it's unbelievably scalable. And, mm. and South Africans are very good at financial services. So I just always thought that it, it would be great to have both my passions pursuing forward. So that's why we do have fun around in the office, and our marketing is a bit quirky and so. But everything we do, we do with a purpose. And uh, we might not look that serious, but there's some good technology and numbers running in the background. So we always have fun with a bit of purpose. Well, there's seriously good numbers in the background. Uh, as to my introduction, you know, the three and a half billion rand in, in seven years in an industry that has established players uh, that has seen the barriers to entry lower, obviously because of technology, but still you're fighting competitors with almighty marketing budgets, as you'll know. When you mm-hmm. sat down back in 2011, 2012, when you conceived the idea, what mm-hmm. did you initially see as the opportunity? What was that gap in the market? that said, right, I'm not going to get out of marketing and into the world of insurance. I must say uh, it, it turned out well. So what we planned, we achieved. We, we just a bit behind. So, so the plan was a little bit more aggressive. And, and as you know, in life, you get obstacles and you overcome them. So we privileged enough to achieve what we thought would be the gap in the market. What I think... Um, what you don't always see on a spreadsheet when you plan is, you know, the people and the atmosphere and, and the offices. I never thought it would be this much fun. Obviously, we planned and we know that um, we don't want to be as conservative as your more traditional companies. But um, to actually in real life see um, how we operate daily. I mean, we have daily bus tours now with um, school kids coming through the offices and 
varsity um, faculties and, and other companies, and we do that for free, and uh, and how that explodes on social media. I mean, those are the things that you don't plan for. And, and like you mentioned, Dr. Eugene Bessels earlier, I mean, there's 10 other superstars like like him. So it's, mm. it's definitely a team effort, and, and people build a business at the end of the day. That sounds like it was part of your, as you say, things happen, there's a chemistry, there's some things that don't happen on a, on a spreadsheet that just unfold. But it does sound like it was very much part of your plan, part of your strategy to ensure that you're an organization that allows a culture of innovation and irreverence while also being serious business people. No, 100%. And, and I mean, it, it, uh, I, I did have a, um, experience in, a, in my previous insurance life, if I can call it like that. So, so it's not like everything was designed from scratch. We had a nice blueprint and, um, and you just tweak from there. And, and some of these things we have tried in, in other business launches. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just like we threw everything in a pot together and tried for the best. It's, uh, there's some proper planning and and we tweak along the way and so you get something that works. And it obviously does work. Uh, let, let's just talk a little bit about um, the model and how you've used technology. Because if you look at the industry, it really has. It's nearly perfected the simplification of what can be an overwhelmingly complex area, such as insurance and underwriting. They're very small profit margins. There's common products between competitors. Clients are often upset or unhappy with their insurance providers. And as I said earlier, it's not something that is bought. Insurance is something that is sold. You've got to go out and, and sell this product. So how have you ensured that you remain ahead of the game and innovative using the latest technology? I think insurance has become a commodity. I don't think people, uh, it's really that brand loyal. It's not like you wake up this morning and say, yes, I'm going to buy insurance from X, Y, and Z. So I think price is a big factor, especially in a country like ours where 70% of the people of cars on our roads aren't insured. So I think cost is a massive, plays a big part in that. And then um, and fraud, I think the amount of premium that goes to fraud is substantial. And I think uh, there as an industry, I think we've come a long way since uh, 12 years ago. But there's still um, massive fraud happening. I think everybody is kind of solved service, uh, you know, service is good uh, across the industry. You can just go to Hello Peter and most of the times. It's not your cowboy days where you can not pay out claims and all of it. I think all insurers really want to, as fast as possible, pay the claim, catch the fraud, and that's how you retain your mm. customers. I think our, our gap was to, uh, you know, we live by the value of, of lower premiums, higher purpose. So everything we do, we try and strip out the unnecessary you know, all the reward points and all these things that just add on to the premium at the end of the day. We give it optional to clients, but as, as, if we can give a core product that's fully comprehensive insurance, you know, not advertising that's fully comprehensive, but you get something else. So we wanted to have a throw out all the bells and whistles. We can technology assist in, on, in the back office operations to make it just far more linear, cost effective, and then scale it. So that was the mission, and I think we achieved that. In the beginning, you know, most people laughed and said, you can't decrease your premium, you'll never make profit. But if you, you think about it, the asset that depreciates, why shouldn't the premium go down? I think it's quite logical that 
everybody should be doing it. The point was everybody just bought their financial models of increasing every year. Mm. But if you actually just work it on a spreadsheet, then you realize that if I have my client six months longer than your average lifetime policy, by just um, treating them better, you'll still make your margin. Everybody's happy. There are other ways of doing things. And, and we just wanted the more customer-centric business model we we retain our clients longer. And from that customer-centric point of view, what makes you believe that you are delivering? Uh, you can probably measure it at any point in our business. So one good thing about us, but uh, I mean, it's not only uh, to us. I mean, you measure all the touch points with the customer um, and you get software for all of that. But um, we don't have legacy systems. So I, I literally on my phone have a dashboard for every, every single metric in this company up to a minute. So I can see a claim coming in, in Durban. I can see um, what the sales guy is doing. I can even see um, the HR stats, collections, all of those things at the, at the push of a button, including customer satisfaction. So I, and, and we've got an email team that immediately hops on that. So it's not, it's not the, a scenario where we will take two weeks to get back to somebody on social media, anything. It's applied within a minute, it goes to a team, it goes to the manager, it's actioned immediately. And um, and that filters through that you later on, on uh, you know, things like Hello Peter, the Ombudsman, all these type of things that measure it, that you score well and you can compare yourself against the industry and you tend to be on the top three most of the times. And uh, obviously, you do get your what's it, eight keepers or what is it called? Um, yeah, the outliers, yeah, uh, yeah. But that's, I mean, that goes through the normal process. And um, you can't keep everybody happy. There's really situations where people out uh, in the market are. One thing about insurance is there's a lot of fraud. So, so I mean, people literally would steal and come up with the, um, the most amazing stories with all the evidence in front of them and, and still. Uh, not be satisfied. But mm. I mean, I think there's where, where you draw the line and say, you know, we've been over backwards to accommodate you and all of it, but we can't allow this because every mm. one of those that you don't catch, I mean, it costs everybody else a lot more. As I mentioned, it's the idea is to buy up as soon as possible. I mean, our new app, we want to, like some of the insurers in, in the States, buy within a second and just send a digital voucher, go and buy your new TV lightning, knocked it out. So using all these fraud and analytic tools, that, yeah. I mean, if you had a loyal client for three years, why should you go through this whole call center process and all of it? And that's where the data science and the AI that uh, your Darth Vader exactly. of data was talking about really comes in. And exactly. if you look into the future, though, uh, Gideon, this looks like it will undoubtedly just become the commoditized model of the future. Uh, very difficult to see how other insurers will remain in business if they're not adopting this kind of technology because consumers evolve and they're going to start expecting this from all of their insurers. So how do you stay ahead of the game? Where are you looking for new growth uh, and new opportunities? We're entering the life market out of it. There's always enough growth and we're small. So we, I think we now have got just over 2% market share. So, so I think there's still a lot of growth where you definitely have it uh, correct, Michael. So I think everybody's putting money into technology. The big thing I still see there is that if you're going to run it on a backbone of a legacy uh, system, it, mm. it's always going to be slower. You've met a doctor, that's data analytics. Uh, the big point come in your granul- granularity of your data. You want to be able to know and analyze certain sticks in every moment of, of your customer journey. Now, mm. on, on older systems, or if you 
working with some of these big systems. You just don't get that granularity. And therefore, your AI tools and all of those would, would be less efficient. Um, but I mean, I think everybody will get there in time. As you said, otherwise, I just think you won't be competitive in the future. And as, as that race continues, we just always try and stay ahead of the pack, try and always stay lean and learn. I think a big mistake that and, and even us can make and, and we would really try our hardest not to is, is always to remain humble and, and, and learn as much as you can and never never think that you, you know, you're the number one now and, mm. and can't learn anything else. So I think if you, if you have a learning mentality and there's unbelievable technology out there and that mm. will just keep on coming. Now, Gideon, whenever I chat to uh, deal makers and I say to them, what's the most difficult thing that you've had to overcome in your career what's the most difficult thing when you're putting a deal together and often it's said that it's evaluating the partner across the table from me you can have the finest brains uh, that know the technology that know the numbers cfas and quants and all the rest of it but understanding that human element really becomes quite critical so how do you recognize a promising potential business partnership do you have a gut instinct do you go in there do you guys need to play a round of golf how do you go about developing those relationships oh that's a good question michael are you gonna laugh at me i, I always want to try with somebody so, <laughs> uh, i want to i want to because like you said and i've been wrong there as well so, so i think that's a golden formula but it definitely mm. works for me I, I think when you have a beer with somebody around a fire and you drop all your guards and masks, you, you really get to know the person across from you. And that in my life, um, or in, in my management style, means a lot to me. You know, trust and, 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 uh, and who is this person? And for um, a business partnership, because alignment is key. If you want to move fast and we're going to work together, we, want, we should want the same thing and be able to trust each other. And that has definitely worked for me over the years. I've got numerous examples of that. Mm. And, um, and for the other person as well, I think, I think if there's a relationship before you start the journey, then uh, I think you just cut up so much problems and things later. Um, but as I said, I have been wrong as well. <laughs> but all the other tests and analytics I've done, and I've had shadow matches, tools, tests, all of it, none of them work and uh, like I say, some of them work some of them don't but, um, so I'm not I'm not discounting that I just I just like the gut feel human element and, absolutely and, um, absolutely yeah. well it boils uh, it boils down to chemistry at the end of the day as well and as you say you're mm-hmm. walking on this journey together you need alignment there are going to be times when things are not going well and you need that sense of humor you need that alignment you need to see eye to eye to get through through the dark times, but also then to excel uh, when when you have a shared vision, it's amazing what uh, what unlocks. As we've seen with the Springboks and what they managed to achieve under exactly. Rossi Erasmus, and having an alignment with all of the players, really buying into a vision, knowing where where they stand. Uh, you you're renowned for that irreverent positioning in an industry that, let's face it, just isn't known for seeing this, the, the, the lighter side of life. What are the essential qualities for a newcomer to the King Price team? How do you go out and ensure that, you know, that, that, that there is alignment throughout the team? Um, well, we actually have a good process. I think we always look for attitude. I can't tell you how many people I've employed which literally didn't come for a job interview. I just like the way they... Um, you know, uh, presented or I'm not, I've got a guy here that's called my Disney guy. So he just makes things look like Disney, Disneyland here. Um, <laughs> for example, so 
But uh, the process would be we interview. Um, we now also have funny things because each department do their own thing. But the one department plays Pictionary, uh, for example. So all the traditional questions and all of those things is uh, we, we throw, throw out. You should see that in the CV before the time. And then IT is a bit different, so they would write tests and things like that. But I mean, to, and then um, if we like a candidate, they come, they put in leave, and they they spend a day here at at work, and it's good for them because they want to know their culture fit, and they work in a team where they will be working, and uh, that team can decide this new candidate can make coffee, or they can start working, or um, just enjoy themselves, and then at the end of the day, the team votes if they um, are in favour of employing this candidate. And then only does the candidate get their employment letter. And then before they uh, start their first day, they, um, they get a pack, a welcome pack at home. So when the first day of your idea, you, you are welcome. You already know where you're going to work. You go through your induction week training and learning the company values and all of those kind of things. And that's how you create insiders. Because what tends to happen is um, a person rocks up at a new job and then the laptop wasn't ordered. He doesn't feel home. He's going to sit there at the cafeteria and then become an outsider because the outsider is then going to pull him in. And then that's how you, uh, that's, I, I would not like to do it. You know, mm. you want to create insiders that talks about us and all of those things in the company. And then on top of that, we have a quitting bonus. So in our first month, and, and I'm tend to do that in my welcome presentation to the new employees, uh, I would say if you quit today or in the first month, we will give you. 50,000 rand and your first month salary and uh, you know a culture fit and uh, in the four years only one person has taken it um, and uh, the, the thinking is just there it's going to cost me more money in any case to, yeah. to get a guy out that doesn't want to be here yeah. so let's just wait until the time and we can find somebody in your place um, and uh, so uh, I we have unlimited leave for the managers and a couple of other cool things we do here but I mean, so we have a huge focus on getting the right talent and culture into our business. And I would say a sense of humor and a great attitude and a team spirit. Um, uh, you know, like I mentioned the spring box, that kind of team spirit. Yeah. That the team is better than any individual. Is that type of character that you're looking for. Absolutely. And we just see it, uh, we, we just see it in abundance in that team. Uh, and certainly in abundance when you meet anyone who does work for King Price. Uh, King Price. Initially, when I saw the marketing, I thought, oh, what is this? What is going on? But when you actually, when you understand that it is something that, that, that you live by, um, it really has an endearing characteristic to it in a market, as I said earlier, that can be pretty grey-shoed. Now, what is something you would go back and tell your younger self? With everything that you've learned, with all the highs and lows and you know, bootstrapping this business as you did, it was friends, fools and family in the beginning. Uh, and I'm sure those early investors are very glad that they did back you. But what would you go back and tell your younger self? Yo. I would have I would have prepared more capital definitely. I, huh? think I, could have, <laughs> I would have had more here if I if I did that from the beginning because half my life was spent pitching. Um, and I think uh, when uh, looking back is to not um, you know don't be too fast about. I know you must be detailed and, and all of that, but. Uh, don't don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, it's uh, now that I, it's like the frassi. I heard an interview yesterday of, of just how much more mature and um, uh, more humoristic you became mm. in time, more relaxed. And 
that feeling amongst the people around him just brings that calmness and all of that. So, so I don't say I was Hitler when we lost, but um, <laughs> I would I would tell my younger self that um, you know what the world's not going to end tomorrow. Um, and, uh, don't don't take it too hard and plan uh, plan a bit more. I mean, we did plan properly, but I, I would just say, you know what, the sun is going to shine tomorrow. Don't worry. Oh, so, that's so. super. Especially when uh, the Springboks are bringing home the Web Ellis Cup for, for the <laughs> yeah. third time. Gideon, a great pleasure chatting to you and uh, look forward to uh, continuing innovation and uh, certainly marketing genius that does tend to come out of uh, King Price, an insurer that has uh, turned the short-term market on its head. Thanks for your time. Oh. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye. That was Kitty Galloway sharing his view from the C-Suite brought to you by Ultron Technology Partners in your digital transformation journey. For more information, visit them at Ultron.com. Ultron, there when it matters.